Hello and welcome to Here's a Johnny's Art Reviews and House of Weeden, which is my look at the house movies. No, not the weird Japanese movies, but the dark comedy ones from the 80s and 90s. And note, I'm now doing three, uh, not the third one, as to my research, the third one was a spec script with the house name slapped on it. So instead, I'm going to do other one, uh, the first one, the second one, and the fourth one. And for this Halloween, I'm going to do Hocus Pocus. And my third year anniversary is going to be a super secret movie. And for my Halloween special episode, it will be Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. The camp cult classic comedy from 1988. Guess you can say I missed horror, as this is my first will. Almost with two stops, uh, them being assist and Jason vs. Freddy. Check my archives. Horror movies in seven months. Not that I didn't enjoy animation April, Mayday movies, or Summer of Super, but it's good to get back to my roots. So, it's non-stop horror until the foreseeable future. With that, let's dive into this mid-80s dark comedy horror that has its roots in PTSD Vietnam vet struggling to deal with his demons, literally. And this movie feels like Evil Dead Light. With this $3 million budget, this thing pulled in $22 million, And it's a cult franchise was born. So, let's see if this is no good or not. I always saw this video case in the video store. And I was intrigued with its uh, dumb tagline and disembodied hand. I never actually rented this until the late 90s and I found it ridiculously fun. Thing is, I haven't saw this in years, so let's see if it still works today. On to the newish format of the podcast, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. The good being anything I find entertaining or good about said movie. The bad being anything I find is just awful or plain stupid about the movie. And the ugly is anything I find in bad taste or is just plain ugly about said movie movie. So, let's see if horror has found a new home. Starring William Catt, George Went, Richard Moe, Kay Lenz and Mary Stavin. Directed by Steve Miner, the plot, a down-on-his-luck writer going through a divorce and writer's block who suffers from PTSD, moves into his late aunt's house to fight his personal demons. Literally, can he win? What will be left of him? Will he be sane at the end of the movie? Let's find out here. On to my first good. The house itself looks great and I would love to live in it. It's very charmed meets 
Sabrina's house, I mean, it's quite gorgeous. Apparently it's a real house somewhere in Los Angeles, I believe, just outside Los Angeles. The interiors were actually built on a two-level stage, but moving on, I'll talk about the exterior. So. My first bad, the music is very A Nightmare on Elm Street, mixed with Friday the 13th and another movie which I can't quite put my finger on. Wait, that movie being Phantasm. Harry Manfredi, I guess I pronounce his name, can't come up with his own soundtrack without ripping off the others? Really? Come on. I mean, this thing is very Friday the 13th, especially when it, um, when the witch attacks, it's very um, Friday the 13th. I mean, there's, there's a sting from it, which is particularly Friday the 13th, especially the later movies. But I guess you have to watch it if you want to find out what I'm blabbering on about. <clears throat> on to my first ugly. It's a Roger Corman movie. As much as I love Roger Corman movies, you know this one was done in a cheap and fast. In fact, it was shot in eight weeks. And the effects were done in three months. That is ridiculously fast. And to my second good. William Cat of Carey, coming soon by the by. Uh, a Perry Mason stuff and tons of B-movies as Roger Cobb, playing a version of Ash Williams from Evil Dead. Check my archives again. And pulling it off, I'd also spot Mindy Sterling as the obsessed fan waiting in the queue to get her signed autograph. Book, that is. Uh, another bad. The Delivery Boy, played by Jim Cavett of Superboy TV show, just runs out of the house after seeing the homeowner, Aunt Elizabeth, uh, played by Susan French, just hanging there. He doesn't even call 911. That's a bad delivery guy, no tip for you. And to my second ugly, only three people show up to Mrs. Hooper's funeral, that being the late aunt. A nod to Toby Hooper, supposedly. Hmm. I mean, three people. I mean, what is that? Her brother, uh, her nephew, and I'm guessing his wife. Okay then. <coughs> Charming that is. Hmm. On to my third good. The subtle nods to The Shining all throughout the movie is actually quite clever. On to my third bad. A story about a writer with writer's block and personal demons. How very Stephen King. On to my third ugly. I don't know if it's just my DVD box set, but the sound quality and picture quality on this was piss bloody well poor. Maybe I should splash it in my bloody bodies, but bollocks that these movies aren't that great, so no. My fourth good. The practical 80s effects. Enough said. Another bad. When Roger takes a call from his ex-wife Sandy, played by... Kay Lintz of American Graffiti, Death Wish 4, and the Tick 90s TV show. He fakes a poker game with friends uh, when in fact he's all alone with his 80s PC and writer's block, making him sound sad and pathetic. Really, movie? I mean, we get he, he's newly divorced and he's living alone, but come on, he now has to be that sad and pathetic for crying out loud. On to my fourth ugly, a kidnapping subplot of Roger's son, Jimmy, played by Eric and Mark Silver, is too dark for a cheesy 80s horror film. They should have wind that back just a dad. And my fifth good, Harold uh, Gordon, played by George Went of Cheers, is hilarious. As next door neighbour, who at first doesn't believe Roger, then gets pulled into Roger's nightmares. Well, literally nightmare, <laughs> On to my fifth bad, the real estate agent trying to get Roger to renovate the studio uh, to make it into a guest house using his cousin, as he shows him slash tells him of the last painting done by his late aunt before she killed herself. Classy mate, yeah, always stay classy. My fifth ugly, 
there's too many goddamn Vietnam flashbacks, and they look cheap, and it looks like they were filmed on a stage, a soundstage, because they bloody well were. This thing is annoying as all hell. It must go back to Vietnam about 15 times. We get it already. He's a Vietnam vet, but come on. 10, 15 times going back to the same flashbacks again and again and again. Can we move on already? On to my sixth good, Big Ben, played by Richard Mall of Night Court, Evil Speak, Spiders 2, check mark eyes, and the Batman cartoons is a complete and utter arsehole douchebag bully, and he runs with it, and he just loves to sing and chews up the scenery. On to my sixth bad. If Roger grew up in a house and his son went missing from the house, shouldn't the neighbours know who the hell he is? I mean, he drives up in his station wagon packed with all his goods and the neighbours have no idea who the hell he is, yet he's supposed to have been there not four or five years earlier. Okay then. On to my sixth ugly. The quote, war demon, looks like a cast off from the tree of Evil Dead 2. So nothing in this is new or fresh. Really? I mean, come on. Actually, it even looks like the thing from Mouth of Madness, which of course came out years later, but come on, really? Originality would be nice here. My seventh good. All the paintings around the house shows what's going to happen for a low-budget movie. That is pretty well clever. And also from behind-the-scenes stuff, these paintings were all done in a week. That was quick. My seventh bad. It took 30 minutes of an hour and a half movie before something spooky happens. If the house plays on your fears and knows everything about you, why did it wait two nights to mess with Roger? Also, if you grew up in the house, shouldn't the house already know everything about him? I mean, for crying out loud, the, the aunt, when they have a flashback of her before she kills herself, warning him, the house knows everything about you, double trick you, it tricked me. But the house does nothing for two nights. That's a bloody waste of tension. Another ugly. Harold steals Roger's phone book and calls his ex-wife to tell her he thinks Roger is in trouble mentally. Yet she can't be arsed to help out. What a complete utter bitch. No wonder a bloody well divorced. And she's some hack uh, TV soap actress and he's some uh, writer's block writer? That makes sense, writer's block writer. Who had done Stephen King style books but... From what I understand, there's only one, and this, the second one's taking ten years or so, blah, 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 blah. I'll get back to that later. On to my eighth good. This does pretty much the same scares as Evil Dead has right down to the dead animal coming to life to spook our hero and a hag witch. Makes me wonder, did Sam Raimi rip this thing off? Hmm. After all, this was filmed in 86... 85 and released in 87, I believe. So, who ripped off who here? Hmm. On to my eighth bad. A down on his luck, struggling writer with money problems and a book publisher breathing down his neck for his second book. Blows hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on cameras, camcorders and a Betamax players. Betamax 1986? What the fuck? To prove that he isn't going mad by taking a snapshot of this war demon. Okay then, how much money has he wasted? Plus the real estate agent said he can get millions for this house if it's quickly done up. Sell it then! <laughs> God, do an Amityville on a thing and punt it for cheap. Another ugly. On one of the many, many flashbacks to Vietnam, they have a soldier smoking a joint deep in enemy territory. Stupid fucking idiot. No wonder a bloody America lost if you're sitting smoking joints in the deepest, darkest Vietnam jungle for crying out loud. Fucking moron. 
And speaking of the hag, which, for something made in a week, that looks pretty good, actually. I mean, way up there with Evil Dead 2's um, Witch in the Cellar thing. It's quite good. On to another bad. Roger's ex-wife uh, gives out her personal phone number to a complete stranger, claiming to be Roger's neighbour. Okay, then. On to another ugly. The sexpot neighbour, Tanya, played by Mary Stalvin, of two bod movies, them being Octopussy and A View to a Kill, Kaddishak 2 and Howling 4, is in a high-cut one-piece bikini, and the camera just holds on her ass. Tisk tisk. Also, what sort of person uses someone else's pool without even asking? God almighty, rude much. On to my second to last good. The huge puppet used for Zombie Big Ben, which is 18 feet tall and took 15 men to operate, is pretty cool. And I just thought it was Kane Hodder on a super, apparently not. Apparently it was some tennis player and he was really skinny and this thing weighed more than he did and it cut into his nose, etc, etc. Actually, that was my final good. I've seen second to final good. <clears throat> On to another bad. It takes 42 minutes of an hour and a half movie before any of the, quote, fun scares happen. As the swordfish comes to life to fight Roger. How very evil did too with the laughing stag head. On to another ugly. Speaking of the sexy neighbour, she dumps her young son Robert, played by Steve Miner's actual son, on someone she met not five hours earlier. Mother of the year right there. On to another bad. What the fuck does You Know Good by Bet Betty Everett got to do with a witch hag being beheaded and then hacked up? What the f... On to another ugly. The design for the two little ghouls uh, that kidnap Robert up the chimney looks cheap to rubber masks and cheap ass outfits. Like I said, this was a Roger Corman movie, so I'm surprised these actually looked that good. <laughs> well, on another bad here. While on the subject of out-of-place music, why is it dedicated to the one I love by Mamas and Papas got to do with burying a hacked-up body or shaving? What in the fuck is it with these music intros? Another ugly. The tentacle monster trying to drag Roger into the mirror looks cheap. I mean, it looks like it's made of part of whatever, moving on. To another bad, Robert, the sex neighbor's son, runs away from Roger as he's trying to help the little ungrateful git as he has the hagwitch's hand stuck to his back. I mean, uh, dear God, moving on. To my last ugly, all because Roger didn't kill Ben and Big Ben rather, in Vietnam, he kidnapped his kid and killed killed his psychic aunt. Talk about a grudge, my god. On to my second to last bad. The whole murder demon verse thing was done in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Check my archives. And by the way, that was done much better than this cheap version. And my final bad. Roger's son, Jimmy, has been held captive for years by a vengeful Big Ben. Yet, A, he hasn't aged, and B, he looks well fed. What was he eating in the Mirrorverse? I mean, for God's sake. And how is Roger going to explain his son, who went missing, as said, years earlier, just returned, and he hasn't aged one little iota? Okay then, because Roger gets his son out of the Mirrorverse and rescues him from Big Ben. One's blowing Big Ben to smithereens with a grenade. Yet, his wife shows up out of absolutely nowhere, and the two 
Well, with the three reconnect, the kid hasn't aged in at least five years. What the fuck? Anyway, that was House 1986. For a comedy horror, this isn't scary nor funny. I barely chuckled through this. The effects are good for what little time or money they were given, but they look dated. This movie doesn't know what it wants to be, either a shoot-up horror about PTSD or a horror comedy. This is a chore to get through. I mean, for a one and a half hour movie, this feels like a three hour movie. Plus, it has a been there done that feel to it. Nothing is original, from the music, to the shining ideas, to the look of Big Ben, which is very latter day Jason Voorhees. The whole exposed skeleton. <laughs> Overall, I'll give this thing a 5 out of 10. Still, if you like 80s cheese fests with practical effects, this is a movie right up your alley. Still, come back next week for House 2, the second story, and rest of the month for the others. November is no scare November. I'll get the scary movie movies. December is Festive Fear 2, which is Child's Play and Better Watch Out, plus a few others. And January is John Camter Classics 2, such as The Thing, Big Trouble Under China, and Escape from New York. So, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter, where you can vote on what movies I'll cover at Here's Johnny's Pod. And email me with suggestions to here'sjourneysreviews at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my other horror franchise podcasts of The Cycle, Omen, Critters, Gremlins, and more. Also, my solo ones of Scream, Trick or Treat, Monster Dog, and many, many more. A bye bye.